Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. district and if that's confusing you we are in the state of Illinois if you if you was thinking man I thought I came to Illinois tonight you are in the state of Illinois but being that we are so close to the line of Indiana we are in our organization within the Indiana district and so we're thankful that you have come out to be a part of this inaugural overflow rally the first of other rallies to come uh, here within our section amen so we're glad for the representation of different churches that are here tonight and just to the guests that are here as well amen that's made way to the house of the lord tonight so glad to have pastor tony fricks just to, to show you how much the indiana district is like a heinz 57 we're from illinois and pastor frederick's from kentucky amen but we we claim each other we're glad to have pastor frederick tonight and some from his church Amen. Coming and getting here. Amen. Although it had been just with a little difficulty. But he looks pretty calm about it. Amen. And so we appreciate him. Amen. All of the people of the Lord. I know that there's afterburning things to take place before, amen, we totally leave from this place tonight. But do we have just a little bit of time here tonight for the word of the Lord? Amen. If you'll turn with me to Numbers chapter 36. Numbers chapter 36. You know, normally when you go somewhere outside of your home pulpit and preach, you want to thank, you know, your family for being with you. And uh, I just kind of expect them to be here tonight. <clears throat> They're just at home. Amen. But love and appreciate my wife and children. Hallelujah. This precious church family. Numbers 36. I'm going to start with verse number five. Now, let me tell you something. I know tonight is... is uh, for apostolic crusaders or that segment of people and I always even whenever I talk to young men I say you need to consider your audience and so on and so forth and I have done that but my final word always to them is this whatever God wants that's what you go with and so I'm in one of those this is what I believe the Lord wants and I'm going to go with it type of scenarios has anybody ever put together a puzzle do you like doing it well if you do you're in store with me tonight because we're going to find all the corners first. Then we're going to find all the pieces that have a straight edge. And then we'll fill in the inside and hopefully the picture becomes clear. Amen. Hallelujah. Numbers 36, verse number 5. I'm jumping in the middle of a story here. And it's not a real familiar story. So that's where the work is, 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 is cut out for me. And Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord. Saying... The tribe of the sons of Joseph hath well said. This is the thing which the Lord doth command concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them, wouldn't you like to have a name like that? Let them marry to whom they think best, only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. In other words, he's kind of giving a boundary here. They can marry whoever they want as long as it's within the family. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. 
And every daughter that possesseth an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one of the family of the tribe of her father, that the children of Israel may enjoy every man the inheritance of his fathers. Now, I'll give you just a real quick little synopsis of a backstory here. This man has five daughters. They didn't have any brothers. The only way that the inheritance was going to get to them is if it came to them. And that wasn't typical for a lady or a daughter to receive the inheritance. And so with that being said, they everybody agreed on this stuff. That's fine and great. It's okay for them to get the inheritance of their father. But someone got the big idea said, well, what about, what about whenever they marry? How's this going to affect everything? And so the concept was basically this, is what he gave us in verses 5 through 9 that they can marry whoever they want as long as it remains in the family. And so I want to minister to you tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost this. Keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. Look at your neighbor, family or not, and tell them to keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. Amen. We're going to pray one more time that the Lord would have his perfect way through the ministry of the word. Father, I come to you tonight. I pray, oh God, today I need your help, Lord Jesus, here this evening. God, your word doesn't need propped up, Lord Jesus. It is pure. It's unadulterated. It's true. It's powerful. But I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, help, Lord, God, these lips, God. God, that speak these words tonight. God, do it with clarity. I pray, oh, God, with understanding, God, let it be brought, Lord Jesus, to us in this place. God, let there be a moment, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, where we will grab a hold, God, of what's conveyed, Lord Jesus, even through your word, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And can this great congregation say amen? And it's okay to give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Nothing wrong with that at all. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Keep it in the family. When Abram left his homeland of Ur of Chaldees, this set in motion a future nation that would be known as a nomadic people, a people that would constantly live their lives and their lives would be marked by pitching tents at a location for a little while and then pulling up stakes to go to their next place or their next location. These people would come to be known as a group of people, a nation that had no permanent dwelling place. They had no land that they could call, per se, their own. As a matter of fact, in reflection in the book of Acts, chapter 7 and verse number 5, as the apostle is reflecting back upon Abraham and that nation and that family, he said that, that God had given Abraham none inheritance in the land. No, not so much to set his foot on. Yet God did promise that he would give it to him for a possession. And to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. He said, I am going to give you an inheritance, though you have not one now. And for that matter, you don't even have anybody that it can be passed down to at this moment in time. And so where God was calling Abraham to back in the book of Genesis was to go to a place that he wanted to give to Abraham. 
and his descendants as an inheritance. However, all through Abraham's days on the earth, he was at best just a sojourner in that land that God wanted to give him for an inheritance. The Bible describes him as a pilgrim in a strange country. From generation to generation, to his son Isaac, to his son Jacob, the promise of this inheritance was remade and reassured to them time and time again. They were a nomadic people at best. Perhaps their longest time of settling was when they settled in the nation of Egypt during their years of bondage, during their years of incarceration, which was by force and not by their choice. Forty years of the nomadic life they would spend in their times of wandering from the moment they left Egypt to finally getting into their Canaan, their promised land. Forty years of again pitching the tent. Amen. Taking up stakes. Going from this place to that place. Awaiting for that time to end. Hoping for their next opportunity to cross the Jordan River into their promised land. Into their inheritance. Can someone say inheritance? The idea and the concept of an inheritance in that land was not mysterious to the children of Israel or the nation of Israel. It was something that was commonly talked about among them. Their feet did not yet touch that land, but they talked about the day it would. They did not yet inhabit that land, but they talked about the allotments that would be divvied up, given to each one of them someday in the future. It was commonly talked about before them, though it was never experienced as of yet. They knew, they knew each tribe would be given a portion of that inheritance. They knew that each tribe would be given a portion of that land. And even within that portion of land that a tribe would be given, it would be dispersed to individual families in and among that tribe. Each one of them would have a part. Each one of them would have a portion. Each one of them would have an inheritance. Provisions were made before they ever went to that land. Laws, amen, were written out that they should receive that land as their inheritance to be an everlasting possession. In other words, it's going to be different than what they had ever faced before of staying somewhere for a little while and then have to go to a new location and a new place. It was going to be a place of permanence and it was going to be their land and it was meant to be an everlasting possession. The inheritance was to stay within the nation of Israel. It was to stay within the individual 12 tribes of Israel. It was even detailed at times to remain and stay within the particular families that were given certain portions of the land. Can someone say amen? The law went like this, that tribes that had more families, they were to be given more of the land. Tribes that had fewer families, they were to be given less portions of the land. It was proportional according to the number of the families, according to the individuals within the families, according to the tribes. As a matter of fact, the Bible will record to us that the year of Jubilee, which is something that happened every 50 years, amen, had the possibility of protecting a family's inheritance by allowing that land to return to an owner. If somewhere along prior to that 50 year 
mark coming up if they had sold their land or traded their land because of the indebtedness of their family. If they had done that, when Jubilee come, they could get back their land. That's how important, how intentional it was for it to be a forever possession, an everlasting possession. It was important for God and for his people for this to be something that carried on, that was perpetual. We see in the scripture, someone say amen. We see in the scripture a story of a very well-principled man by the name of Naboth. Naboth illustrates to you and I the importance of keeping his family's inheritance. Ahab is the king of Israel and he approaches Naboth and he says, Naboth, he says, why don't we trade vineyards? Your land is real close to my land. I'll trade you a better vineyard even for the one that you have. But I'd like to have your vineyard. It's near to me. It's close to me. It's quite possible as a result of that, that that land that Naboth could have given up was in the land of Israel and would have remained in the land of Israel. It's quite possible since it bordered the king of Israel's land, it's quite possible that it would stay in the same tribe. Absolutely possible. But in the land of Naboth, the Bible says, he takes it down to the family level. He says it might be in Israel, it might be in the tribe, but I'm even going to try to keep it in the family. And Naboth's response to Ahab in 1 Kings 21 and verse 3 was this. He said, the Lord forbid it me. In other words, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to trade. He said, the Lord forbid it to me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. Why? Because this is to be an everlasting possession. This is to be perpetual. This is not to be mine one moment and somebody else's the next. This is mine and it's to remain mine. Someone say amen. Another story in scripture in the book of Ruth. We're just trying to find the corners and the side pieces here of the puzzle right now. The book of Ruth, the Bible speaks of a lady by the name of Naomi. She left Bethlehem of Judah. She spent, the Bible says, 10 years in Moab. That's outside of Israel. That's outside of that inheritance that God had given to them. She spends 10 years in Moab outside the land of Israel. And while in Moab she lost her husband. While in Moab she suffered the loss of her two sons to death there. And then the Bible records she decides she's going to return back to Bethlehem of Judah. She's going to return back to Israel. We're going to return back, if you will, to the inheritance. And one of her daughters-in-law by the name of Ruth went back with her to Israel alongside Naomi. And while they're back home, Naomi starts to get an idea. You know what? I think I'm going to sell a portion of the land that was my husband's. I'm going to sell a portion of the inheritance. And you will note in Ruth 4 and verse number 3 that the Bible says he, and it's speaking of Boaz who was a relative of Naomi's he said unto the kinsman there was another man that was a relative that he was speaking to he said Naomi that has come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land which was our brother's Elimelech's in other words you and I both are related to him Boaz learning of the sale you know what he's thinking it's got to stay in the family 
It's got to stay in the family. And I know I'm a near kinsman to her. And I know that Elimelech was our brother. But there's one just a little nearer. And so I'm going to give him opportunity. Amen. To buy it. So it can stay in the family. And so really what Boaz was doing. Amen. With his offer. Extending the offer to another person of the family. Was basically this. He was trying to keep the inheritance within their tribe. He was trying to keep the inheritance within the family. Someone say amen. Folks, in reality today, whether it's the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the modern day, in reality, when we're talking about the land, when we're talking about that inheritance, it all, in reality, belongs to the Lord. The Bible says, Psalms, the psalmist said, he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and them that dwell therein. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. He was so, God was so adamant about this land staying pure and this land staying theirs, that whenever the Jews that, that inherited the land started getting a wandering eye for a different land from Israel. A wandering eye for the Ammonites or the Moabites or some land outside, if you will, the boundary of Israel. God many times calls then other nations to come in and invade their land and steal the produce of their land because he was trying to drive their attention back to their inheritance. He was trying to drive their attention back to their land. As a matter of fact, when Israel would go a little further and do all unimaginable sin. Amen. The Bible says it was in those times that God would even take his people out of Israel. He would put them in Babylon. He would put them in Assyria. He would take them and exile them and remove them out of the land. So much so that in Jeremiah's day, having suffered through all that, in his lamentation, he would cry to the Lord and say this concerning Israel that he was removed from. He would say, our inheritance is turned to strength our houses to aliens in other words Jeremiah said it's not supposed to be this way this is not the way that it was designed it was to be perpetual it was to be continual it was to be our inheritance someone say amen but God personally through his wisdom is doing something through all these acts God wanted every individual to fall in love with their inheritance. He wanted the inheritance to be more worth more to them than any other land that was around about them. He wanted their inheritance to be the place that they longed for by night and by day. He wanted them to fall in love with their inheritance. And though in the writing of Numbers 36, the promised land is at this time unconquered, untouched. Right now, it's still in full possession of the Canaanites, the natives of the land. There are five daughters. Though their feet's not in it, they know that's what's designed for them. There comes five daughters, as they loaf he had, and they petition for their share in the land as though it was already theirs. Look, if you will, at Numbers 27. i got to lay a big porch. I know people don't know a lot about this story. But there was a census being taken. And as the census was being taken of the nation of Israel, of every tribe and every family, those that were 20 years old and older, males that were, that could serve in the army of Israel, were being counted. And upon finishing that count, here comes these daughters. These five daughters show up. And they basically tell Moses, Moses, we have a dilemma 
on our hand. We're hearing all the boys' names called. Amen. The census is being taken. And we come to the reality, if I may paraphrase here tonight, we come to the reality that it only counts, it seems to be, if you're a male. But you got to understand something, Moses, that we're about ready to go into the promised land soon. There's going to be land divvied up, inheritances given. Amen. And the way that I see it is this. Do you understand that our father is already dead? Our father's already dead. He didn't join the group of Korah in that rebellion and those hideous groups. No, no. He just died the death of everybody in his generation that died in the wilderness. For that matter, not only is our father dead, but he did not leave any sons. He didn't leave any sons. There's nobody to give his inheritance to. There's nobody for his name, amen, to go to so it won't go extinct in the earth. There's nobody there for that matter. According to my understanding, if he did have sons, evidently they were no longer alive at this point in the, in the story. And the Bible says these girls must have knew something. They knew that the inheritance was dispersed according to the sons that were in the family. And their plea is this. Moses, there is no son. And since there was no son, that meant no inheritance for their father's name to be in the land of promise. Since there was no sons, that meant their father's name would be extinct. It would no longer dwell among Israel. So their plea, their idea of solution to all of this was this. Moses, give us the inheritance. I know I'm just a daughter. I'm of the female gender. We don't have any laws, you know, safeguarding this or allowing this. But can we do something? He has no sons. Give us the inheritance. We don't want to see daddy's name lost in all of this. We don't want to go over in that land and have nothing to set our foot on to say that it's ours. We want, we want, could you just consider, give us the inheritance. Someone say amen. This was peculiar. This was peculiar to Moses. No law about this in place. And so he goes to God and he consults God. And God speaks back to Moses concerning the desire of these daughters of this man. And God says, give them their father's inheritance. I know they're of the female gender. I know it usually went to the sons. I know we have no law concerning this. But give their, give their father's inheritance to them. So his name can live on. So they can have a part in the land of Israel. Someone's Say amen. He says, as a matter of fact, he put some words in there. He said, if a man dies then, we're making a decree right now. He says, if a man dies and has no son, then you're to give the inheritance to his daughters. If he has no daughters, give it to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give it to his father's brothers, so on and so forth. The thing is, get it to his nearest relative because we don't want his name to go unnoticed in the inheritance. Someone say amen. I'll preach the last two minutes. Here in a little bit. The rulers of the tribes, our text, the chapter that our text is found in in Numbers 36. The rulers of the tribe of Manasseh, which these daughters were part of, which their father was a part of. They start to think about this new decree. Give it to the daughters. That seems fine. Everything's well. Solution. But then they begin to think just a little bit deeper concerning the arrangement that's been made. And these rulers of the tribe of Manasseh have some fears. They have some unanswered questions. And their question to Moses is this. It's great that you're giving their father's inheritance to the daughters. 
and his name can go on. But what if these daughters marry into a different tribe? What if they don't marry inside of the tribe of Manasseh? What if they marry into a different tribe? Because folks, when the decree was made that they could be inheritors, these girls became more than daughters. They are heiresses. The man, a man's an heir, but she is an heiress, meaning that she's a woman who can inherit. She's a woman that has rights of inheritance. These are more than daughters now because of the privilege. They are people with rights of inheritance. And so if these daughters, as Zalofi had, marries outside of their tribe, then they're going to diminish their tribe's allotment of land. And it's going to go to whoever it is that they marry outside of their tribe. If a man, if a man, if a man of another tribe married one of those girls, married one of those daughters, he would, by nature of his marriage, increase his own estate, but at the same time be diminishing her estate and be removing her daddy's name her daddy's name off that portion of land. It would now come under his name. Amen. If she were to do that, every Israelite was commanded from the very beginning by the law. They were to keep their inheritance. They were to safeguard their daddy's name. For that matter, before it seemed like the year of Jubilee would protect, if you will, of the land being a perpetual inheritance. Amen. But the year of Jubilee could not correct, amen, what these girls would do if they married outside of the tribe because the year of Jubilee was safeguarding for when the land had been sold. For when the land, there's no selling going on here. The land would be surrendered in marriage. It would not return to those girls at the time of the year of Jubilee. Daddy's name would not come back upon the property during the name of Jubilee. In the transaction of their marriage, Daddy's name would get lost in the transaction. It would become a possession of the other tribe that she married into. Someone say amen. So here it is. If the daughters had no rights of inheritance, if nothing had been given to them, if she was just a daughter and not an heiress, if the daughters had no rights of inheritance, she could marry whoever she pleased of the other tribes of Israel. But these five girls are more than daughters. These five girls are inheritors. These five girls are poised and postured for inheritance. And as an heiress, these daughters can do one of two things. They either got to forfeit their claim to the inheritance or they got to marry someone where they can keep it in the family. Someone say amen. In other words, their marriage, who they married, who they married would dictate their inheritance. If they married one way, they would essentially forfeit all the inheritance that was granted to them. And they would sacrifice their father's name upon the land. But if they married as it was prescribed by God, and as it was prescribed by Moses, if they would keep it in the family, they would inherit exactly what their daddy gave to them. And his name would be perpetuated upon the land. 
Someone say amen. amen. We bring all this to this throughout Scripture. It's interesting from Genesis to Revelations. I wanted a longer list, but these few will suffice. There's some neat things that happen when we start to view the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. God manifested in the flesh. We read at certain portions in Scripture that Jesus is identified, amen, as the shepherd. And then in the next hand, he is the door to the sheepfold. And then we know that John even exclaimed, Behold, he that taketh away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God. He at times was the shepherd, the door of the sheepfold, and the Lamb. There are times in scriptures that you see related that Jesus Christ is the priest. And then he is the Lamb for the sacrifice that the priest brings. And yet he is the one that accepts the sacrifice. Man, that's mind-blowing. How in the world can he be the high priest? Amen. Offer the sacrifice, be the sacrifice, and be the one that accepts the sacrifice. But that's just the way things are in Scripture concerning Jesus Christ. For our purposes tonight, someone say amen. For our purposes tonight, Jesus is the father of our new birth experience whose name needs perpetuated. He was hung high and stretched wide at Calvary. He gave up the ghost according to the opinions of the people they seen him having died. He is our inheritance. And he's the one that we need to marry to inherit it and keep it in the family. Now that goes against your mind, I know. It's kind of broken up through the five daughters. But for us, it's all the same. He is the one that is our father. He's the one that is our inheritance. And he's the one that we need to marry in order to keep it in the family. Can someone say amen? Isaiah prophesying of Jesus Christ and his crucifix basically said that his, he, he was taken from prison. He's speaking of the trial and the judgment of the Lord. That he was taken from prison and from judgment. And he said, who shall declare his generation? Jesus had no natural sons. He had no natural daughters. It's saying who's going to declare his generation? Who's going to carry on the father's inheritance? Who's going to carry on the father's inheritance? Who's going to carry on the family name? In the book of Acts, it's reassured to the man that was a eunuch, saying that in his humiliation, judgment was taken away. But the question sounds again, who shall declare his generation? What about his inheritance? He has neither son, it would seem, of the natural flesh, nor daughters of the natural flesh. Who shall declare his, amen, generation on both accounts in Isaiah and in Acts? That that is speaking about Jesus Christ. Who shall declare it? Who shall perpetuate his name? I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus may not have had a fleshly son or a fleshly daughter per se. Amen. But all of us, amen, some of us that's been born again of the water and the spirit, amen, we are his kids. We are his children. And altogether we are known as the church. And when he refers to his children in the spirit as the church, he refers to them in the female gender and as it stands in the book of Ephesians we are the bride of Christ waiting to become if you will the wife of Christ so much say amen <laughs> what are you saying he's my daddy 
He's my daddy. He's my father. The book of 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this. Paul was speaking. He says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many fathers. He's speaking of one really here. He said, for in Christ Jesus. He says, I have begotten you through the gospel. He said, you're Jesus' son. That's your father. He tells us in Galatians 3.29, if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Whoa! What he's saying? He's saying you got the same promise that they of old had, the same inheritance that they had. Amen. As children of God, you've got. Hallelujah. The Bible goes on. I got a lot of scripture right here now. The Bible goes on in Ephesians 1 and verse 11. It's speaking of Jesus Christ when it says, Whom? He says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance in Jesus Christ, being our Father, being in Him, born of Him. We have an inheritance by him someone say amen Ephesians 1 13 and 14 goes on just a little further it says ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit a promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto praise of his glory ha <laughs> ha what is he saying? He's saying, since Jesus is your daddy, and you've been, got, been begotten through him by the gospel. He says, he's your father. Hallelujah. But the spirit that you received, the spirit that you received, which the book of Romans tells us, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, that spirit that you received, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise. You have been given by virtue of being filled with His Spirit the earnest of your inheritance. Someone say amen. Bishop Frederick, from my understanding, the earnest in Paul's day is not really different from the earnest in our day. You go to buy a home something that you want, dream to have and own 100% someday and the bank don't own part of it and you own part of it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you want to really own that. A lot of times whenever you go for that, you bring earnest money. Earnest money is nothing more but this, a down payment to guarantee the final purchase of that piece of property for you. That earnest money... It's just a little bit of what all is to come. He says you received the Holy Spirit of promise. And he said it's the earnest of your inheritance. Woo! He said what you received as a child of God, born of the gospel, it's just a little bit of everything that's coming. And whenever he's talking about everything that was coming, he was talking about the totality of what you are to inherit. Someone say amen. If I can tell you tonight, amen, it's also denoted that that earnest has a connotation to it. Amen. In the Greek language, that it also meant it was an engagement ring. 
My, 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 my. In other words, our inheritance, that promise that is to come, heaven and being in the presence of God eternally is the culmination, is the totality of the inheritance and the redemption that is totally waiting for you and I. The Holy Ghost is just a piece. The Holy Ghost is a little foretaste of what is coming. In other words, the Holy Ghost, it's just a little piece of heaven here on earth, but there's an inheritance, amen, that knows no bounds someday in the future. Someone say amen. It's this very thing that the Apostle Paul desired for the church at Ephesus. He knew the word of God's grace. He said could give them an inheritance among all them that were sanctified because Jesus told him the same thing. Saul, who was changed to Paul, you can get the grace of God, can give you and offer you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. So Jesus is a father. Hallelujah. He has begotten us. He is our inheritance. And we got a foretaste of that now if you are born again of the water and of the spirit. Amen. That's three things. But number three is this. He needs to be the one that we marry. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11.2 For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy for I have espoused you or betrothed you or engaged you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. Keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. As the daughters of Numbers 36 cry with the solution, give us the inheritance. God says, I'll give you the inheritance if you keep it in the family. If you want to be responsible for the Father's name as those girls did, if you want to carry on the Father's name as those girls did, then you need to keep it in the family. If you don't want to diminish your inheritance, if you don't want to diminish what is coming to you, amen, if you don't want to forfeit your claim, amen, to your inheritance, then you're going to have to keep it in the family. Because by virtue of the Holy Ghost, amen, we became more than just sons, and we became more than daughters of God. We are His church. We are His bride. And we got rights to an inheritance. We are heirs and heiresses. We are inheritors. But if I could be the voice of Moses for this generation, it would be this. I understand you want to keep daddy's name alive. I understand you want to keep your father's name alive. I understand you want to have an inheritance and you want his name to be on it. I just got one thing for you. You're going to have to keep this thing in the family. You can't marry anything outside of the family. You can't join yourself to anything outside of the family. you got to keep it in the family to take daddy's Daddy's name, my God. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Anybody getting hungry? In the end, we must allow 
the rights to the inheritance. They were dreaming of the land, the inheritance they would receive. It was not divvied up yet. They had not stepped in there yet. They were dreaming of the land. They were making plans and preparations as inheritors. But before it would become fully realized for them on the opposite side of Jordan, they wanted to be and keep and maintain the rights of inheritance. Then they were going to have to allow that position of being an heir, an heiress, one who could be an inheritor. They were going to have to allow that to guide them, direct them, and help determine who they would In essence, that's what Moses was using for them. You're inheritors. This inheritance is yours. But let it guide, direct, and push you in the direction of what or who you need to marry. Because if you marry outside of the family, he says the inheritance as you know it is not there for you. Daddy's name being carried across Jordan in your family is not there for you. And he says, so you got to maintain, if you will, your engagement. If we're talking about the Apostle Paul who's espoused us or betrothed us, engaged us to one husband. You, you got to maintain your engagement. We, we got to remain espoused to one husband, if you will, today. Christ the Lord. Amen. Because doing so will help us keep it all in the family. Someone say amen. In our story, those girls had something to ponder. I got to decide if I just want to take free course and do whatever I want to do and find a spouse that's just, you know, pleasing to me, even if it's not in Manasseh. Or I got to decide if what was daddy's and if his name is more important than some lingering desires I got. Elsewhere. Because listen to me right now. Because I can't fulfill my fleshly desires. And the father's wishes at the same time. (laughs) I got to either forfeit my claim and the inheritance. Or I got to marry something that's going to keep it on. Oh, girls are pondering. They're, They're thinking this over. And the Bible says that those five girls, five girls, mind you, those five girls that were going to be given, if you will, portions of the land of their father because there were no sons. The Bible says that those five girls in Numbers 36 and verse number 12, and they, speaking of those five girls, were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of the family of their father. You know what that meant? That meant that daddy's name
pain meant more to them than their own fleshly wish. That meant daddy's inheritance meant more to them than a land somewhere else that would diminish under somebody else's name. That meant I'm going to marry and keep it in the family so I can keep the inheritance and we can keep daddy's name alive. I'm asking young people, old people, any people here tonight who's willing to keep it in the family to safeguard his name. Who's willing to keep it in the family to safeguard the inheritance that you've already got a taste of. Who's willing? Somebody say keep it in the family. All five kept it in the family. And so daddy's, their daddy's inheritance remained it said. And the name of their father was honored because they kept it in the family. You want to honor the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for New Testament? Then you got to marry him. If you want to honor the inheritance that he's given you a foretaste of where you will someday experience the totality of what that involves of a heaven and his eternal presence then you got to marry him someone say amen you can't marry your job you can't marry your ambitions you can't marry your earthly family you can't marry addictions you can't marry if you will things that's fallen down paths of wickedness and that's against the word of God and God himself no you got to live and walk righteously walk before him follow his path the way that daddy lived is the way you need to live and you need to marry somebody like that in the new testament you're marrying he was your father but he wants to become your husband Keep it in the family. <laughs> you stand with me. I'll bring comfort to you and now help me. You gotta keep it there. Give us the inheritance. They said. God says criteria. Just keep it in the family. If we bow our heads here tonight. If you've never been sealed, as the book of Ephesians says, with that Holy Spirit of promise. If you've never received the earnest of the inheritance of heaven and all that it will offer. If you've never received what the scripture calls the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or as Paul said, been begotten by Christ Jesus. If you've never had any of that. Here to tell you today, you can. The Bible says in Acts 26 and verse 17, and I read this. This is Jesus speaking to Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the early church. He thought he was doing right. He really did. He thought he was doing right. Any of those that were preaching in the name of Jesus and doing those type of things, he would, he would go, he'd get letters from the governing powers that would be and get them and persecute them, pull some of them to jail, beat others of them. He thought he was doing the right thing. 
he was quote unquote a Christian. The reason why Saul thought he was doing the right thing, who later become Paul, this man had said at the feet of important instructors, he knew and the very word of God from Genesis all the way to the point of time of Saul's life was this, is that there was only one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's all he'd never known. And so when he sees this man Christ Jesus, and there's miracles taking place, and the lame are walking, and blind eyes are being opened, he no doubt remembers the prophecies of Isaiah that's told them, I'll tell you how you know whenever your God will have showed up. The lame man will leap, and the blind will see again. The only thing that Saul was seeing in his generation where that was happening was Christ. How in the world can this be? There can't be another God. There's only one. So he's taking everybody and incarcerating them because he's thinking that they are fabricating, if you will, another God. But everything he sees demonstrated is telling him that Christ was the God that, that, that Isaiah was speaking about. We'll come to find out in Scripture that he robed himself in flesh. He was going to be called Jesus Christ and Matthew as it was spoken, being called Emmanuel, God with us. God who is the Spirit according to John 4, 24, wrapped in flesh, the man Christ Jesus. So whenever Paul's on, Saul at that time his name was, changed to Paul, as he's on his way to Damascus, a light shines as he's on his way, strikes him down to the road. And a voice from heaven speaks. No doubt he thinks he's being addressed by God. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? For one, you've been persecuting all these people that are part of the church. But we are the body of Christ. So if you touch his church, you've touched him. So why are you persecuting me, Lord? He tells Saul, he says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you persecute. The light bulb went off inside of Saul's head. This one that they're calling, this, these blind eyes, all this thing. This, 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 this is God. This is God in the flesh. And so with all that, for Acts 26 and verse 17 says this. Jesus speaking to Saul now, after all this has taken place. Delivering thee from the people. And he notes, and from the Gentiles. Unto whom now I send thee. He said, I've, I've delivered you out from them, but I'm sending you back to them. Gentiles, not Jews. Not Father Abraham had many sons, Gentiles, no. Verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You might be here nice, but I've never grown up in church, didn't know anything about church. I just kind of showed up because someone said, dude, that's okay. That's okay. I want you to know tonight, God's already your father by creation. But he's capable to be your father tonight by new birth. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. A new creature in Christ Jesus. As Corinthians says, taking off the old man and putting on the new. You, He can become your father not just by creation, but by a new birth experience. And when that happens and you receive the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues as the book of Acts says, as the Spirit gives the utterance, you receive that earnest of the inheritance. 
Woo! A foretaste of what's to come. You've just went from just even to son, from daughter to heir and heiress. You become an inheritor. You have rights to an inheritance. And the way to seal the deal is after your engagement, you need to stay engaged. And you need to marry him. Someday, this whole thing called the earth and the world, it's going to all wrap up. It's all going to wrap up. The trump of God shall sing. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then those of us that are alive and remain, uh, that have the spirit of Christ, shall be caught up to meet him in the air. You know what we're doing in that moment? The fiancé is going to become the wife. the way to keep the name perpetuated daddy's name the way to keep the inheritance safeguarded is that you gotta keep it all in the family I know listen to me listen to me very clearly tonight I know you're looking at me I'm getting you to your food there will always be other suitors there will always be another suitor vying for your attention come here You'll do well by me. Follow me down this road. Follow me down this path. Here's where the lights and the fame and the celebration, here's where you can really make something of yourself in this world. But folks, I'm not just concerned about where I make it in this world, but in the world to come. If I think that in this life that I have hope alone, I'm of all men most miserable. There is a hope that goes beyond the grave. There is a hope that goes beyond the life. And in order to inherit that, i got to keep it all in the family. As they begin to sing tonight, and if you want to bow your heads, that's fine. If you want to come forward, that'd be a great thing to do. We entered this service coming forward in worship. It'd be a great time to pray and say, Lord, Lord, You're my father by creator, but I need you to be my father by a new birth experience. Father, I I need the earnest of that inheritance. I need to be changed from just a son to a daughter to an heir and an heiress. I need to have rights, rights of inheritance. And God, I know, Lord, in order to wrap it all up, in order for the land not to diminish and the inheritance not to diminish, in order for the name and my family to go forward, I just need to stay in love with you. And I need to marry you. Lord, I'm betrothed to you right now. But one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to marry you. The inheritance is going to be mine. And it's going to be in that city where the Lamb is the light. There'll be no night there. And the name of the Lord will be highly exalted forever and ever. Somebody needs to keep it in the family tonight. Let's talk to the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.